Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thanks again for tuning in here with us this week, guys. A little bit of a milestone for us, so bear with us as we get a little excited here for the next 30 seconds or so and then straight back to work. Um, so we, uh, th- we have been doing the podcast here. We're going to, th- so this episode tonight is going to be very, very long. We're going to split it into two episodes because we're just going to talk uh, a ton. We're kind of stopping where we are in our track since we've been doing this for six months and this will be our 50th episode and taking stock of where everything is at, at this point in the off season and how we've come from point a in December to point B, which is now, and then maybe even talk a little bit about what we think point C is going to look like another few months down the road here as we approach the season. Um, so uh, I can't believe that 50 got here so fast. And, um, you know, well, hopefully we'll do 50 and 50 more and 100 more and, and 150 more and just keep on keeping on. Yeah, I mean, no plans to stop the show or anything like that. Any, you know, um, I think that 50, first of all, big milestone there. I didn't really, ex- I shouldn't say I didn't expect to hit it, but you know, when you started out, you start out a show, you really never know what it's going to be. Um, and, you know, I think that this show has just kept growing and growing, you know, along with the website and everything like that. And, you know, it's been, uh, it's been quick, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we also have to give a lot of credit to, you know, you guys listening and everything, you know, without you guys, it's just us talking into mics, you know, which we would probably do anyway, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot better to do it with a community. Uh, and I, feel, I really love the community that we build up here. And, you know, we got a lot of great people, especially over in the Discord. Um, you know, this whole thing has just really opened up my world to a lot of really great people. Um, you know, if, if anybody goes and finds my original Twitter account, uh, which not a challenge, don't need to do that. But you're not going to see a lot of tweets you know, any social media of mine, I'm not really big on posting too much, uh, but you know, I'm getting there. Everybody, you know, everybody's been kind of bringing it out of me um, a little bit more and a little bit more. So, you know, and that's, like I said, that's all, that's all to you guys. Big credit to you guys there. I, I will say, I can't promise that we'll do the show forever just because it's so tiring having to carry Colin through all these episodes every single week. But, um, no, we'll, uh, Baby steps. We'll see, we'll see how much longer I can go. Yeah, just yeah. More more tired every week. Right. Well, I mean, like the steps got to get shorter and shorter, you know. And then you'll finally collapse, and then I'll stand up and I'll dust myself off, and you know, then I'll keep going. You know, fresh, ready to go, ready to find a new co-host to jump on their back. If this is know? a solo pod, at some point, you know what happened. I I, <laughs> I had like a I had a heart attack. Collins just like okay. Colin's right, like well, the guy up. that if you know there's a bear and we're in the woods, Colin pushes you over and keeps running to the bear. I don't push you over, but I start to slowly back away, and then you know if I see a rock in the way, I'll you know kind of slide it behind you and then turn and run. So I was gonna say because the thing is you're not outrunning people, so right? No, right. I'm there, not. There has to be some sort of. Not I'm not fast. In the, in the way there. My uh, my my soccer coach from high school gave me a, an interesting backhanded compliment. He said I'm deceptively slow. Mm. So he's like, "You look like you're moving really fast." He's like, "But you're not." That's you know that that's why they 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 hit you in there at defensive midfield, right? I mean, that's you know. yeah. Not didn't have to run around a lot, you know. I mean, I would play I would play box to box, but it was more like, you know. Uh, 
like top of the top of the circle, top of the circle. You know, I didn't move a whole lot. <laughs> All righty. So we're going to talk just two transfers here. I'm not really sure how much we care about either of them, but I think we have, well, the one we're definitely obligated to talk about. The other one, I, I see some people making a big deal out of it, so I think we at least need to address it a little bit. Uh, first one here, TJ Finley, quarterback, making the jump from LSU to Auburn. Um, he you know, is, is stuck there behind. It's going to be Brennan or uh, Max Johnson this year. We're still not 100% sure how that's going to shake out, but but it looks like one of those two guys. And then you have Nussmeyer coming in this year. So it's uh, Finley's just kind of getting pushed out. He didn't play particularly well last year anyway. Uh, five games, he completed about 57% of his passes, five to five touchdown to interception ratio. And then, uh, you know, he's a he's a good athlete, but he only ran for 69 yards uh, through five games on 19 attempts. Uh, one touchdown there and fumbled three times. So he had a lot of issues. He never really caught on there. Um, does him moving to Auburn do anything for you, Colin, with him? Um, it, I'm more interested in him now, obviously, because I think he was going to be completely irrelevant at LSU, probably the number four quarterback on that depth chart. You know, it sounded like Garrett Nussmeyer was going to jump him, like you were saying. Um, so now I think he has a good shot to back up Bo Nix. And I know we don't particularly like Bo Nix that much. This is a brand new coach. So it's not like he's the one who brought Bo Nix in. Now, I don't think Bo Nix, he's going to take Bo Nix's job or anything, but I think he probably has a good shot to be the backup because um, they did bring up. Um, Demetrius Davis, I think is what his name was. Yeah. 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 Um, four-star guy, uh, very productive out of, uh, out of Texas, but I think he was pretty raw as a quarterback. So I think this just kind of solidifies, you know, Auburn's backup quarterback spot. And I'm not drafting TJ Finley anywhere, but you know, like I said, it, it, he's, he's at the number two there at least. Um, you know how we played that game a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the tight end room, in Jacksonville, and I, I got yeah. you to guess how many how many um, <laughs> catches or targets they had between them. Outside of Bo Nix, how many passes has the rest of their quarterback room thrown at Auburn? Is this including TJ Finley? At Auburn. Oh, okay, at Auburn? Yes. Oh. Ten? Two. Oh, nice. Two. Yes. It's uh, both times we've played this game now, like you've guessed something absurdly low and it's even lower. Like it's, it's yeah. really, really crazy. So I, I didn't like, I knew they didn't really have anyone behind Knicks. And then I went and looked at it just before the show to see exactly what their quarterback room is like. And this is just so, I mean, maybe they have somebody else hanging around, but this, these are all the guys that are listed on their website for 2021 behind Bo Nix. They have Trey Lindsay sophomore. He's a walk on who literally has no 24 seven page. You know how hard it is to not have a 24-7 page in <laughs> Division I college. Very, very difficult. They have Grant Loy, who is a senior. He is the source of the two pass attempts that he got last year. Oh. He transferred in last offseason from Bowling Green. He was in the 2016 recruiting class, so he is old as dirt. <laughs> we have a Sawyer, and I, I think his last name is Pate, P-A-T-E. Zero stars, not ranked in 2020. Does have a 24-7 page, though, so, you know, suck that Trey Lindsay. Sawyer Pate has one of them. And then, like you said, Demetrius Davis, who was a number eight dual-threat QB in this year's class. Out of North Shore High School, same school that Zach Evans went to, uh, same school that Shad ba uh, Shadrack Banks went to, among others. It produces kids every year. 
that's the entire quarterback room. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that TJ Finley's the backup there. I think worst case scenario for TJ Finley, he's the third guy behind Davis, but I think it's more likely that he's the number two guy there. Um, beyond just the opportunity though, he was bad last year. Like, I mean, I guess this, this mildly resuscitated value, but like, if I'm looking at the end of a, you know, I'm doing a startup draft. Like I, I don't, I still don't think I want him. I, I don't know what the ceiling is there. It's not, it's a lot lower than a lot of other guys that I think I could go for. Yeah. I mean, I'm not drafting him anywhere. I'll probably maybe throw him on a watch list, but sorry about you, it. Say you had roster cutdowns this year. You have a roster you just got done with your freshman draft, and you're going to have to cut down your roster here at some point. And you have TJ Finley. You're still cutting. Are you still cutting him? Because I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the offseason, that would have been like, oh, yeah, put him on the list of like, I don't even have to think about that. Like, that's it. That's it. Yes. Um, it, I might, it might give me like a half second of pause, but yeah, probably cutting him. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Um, I just, I, I don't know. And the, the thing is, I guess, I mean, cause I, I, maybe Auburn brings somebody else in this, this off season and they, they bring in a big recruit. I don't know. I don't remember seeing their name attached to any of the 2022 guys that I've looked at so far. Um, but, uh, there's one, um, Harold, Harold Griner or something like that. That's not a real name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty sure it's, it's like Harold Griner or something like that. He's not very, he's a, he's a lower four star guy. If I remember uh, correctly. Yeah, I see him here. Yeah. He is a pro style. He's the number 18 quarterback in the class right now. Okay. So it's Harold Griner, right? Something it's, like that. It, it, pretty close. G E R I N E R. Your guess is as good as mine as to how that's supposed to be. I'm close. I'm close. um, So, but yes, and I I haven't watched him yet. So I I actually was looking at it today. I'm, I've watched about 55 guys in that class already combined and, and have about 35 to 40 ranked that I I actually think are worth something. Um, So, but I have not watched him. Well, I mean, in fairness, if you Google Harold Greiner, it comes up with a restaurant entrepreneur, baseball manager, and softball coach. So he's at best the fourth best Harold Griner or Jariner or however you say it. Yeah, however you say it. Yeah, fourth best. Wow. Man. Now that makes me want to Google myself and see how actually how fifth fifth best. There's um Harold D. Griner, um, who was uh he was a pilot for the Americans in uh, World War II. Huh. Uh he was hit by a flak on a mission to Merseburg. Damage took out two engines. His oil was leaking. So uh, that's, that's just the quick brief thing here. So at least the fifth best. This is the only C2C podcast out there where you can also get a history lesson for the day. <laughs> so you guys are welcome. Um, can't find this anywhere else. All right. So I, that's enough on TJ Finley. The other the other transfer here, and I, like I said, I kind of debated even talking about this, but it seems like um, some of the CFF guys are pretty interested in it. So if they're interested in it, you know, it, it's going to pique my interest a little bit because from a, my, my background being more devy, this is not a guy that I know really at all. And that's uh, Marquis or Marcus Spiker, who uh, was at Washington. He came out, he was at uh, uh, like the number seven wide receiver in the uh, 2018 class, uh, went to Washington, number nine, sorry, um, in the 20, 2018 class. Didn't really work out for him there, 6'3, 200. He is supposed to be a, a fairly decent athlete. Um, 
but but he's leaving Washington and going to Nevada and bolstering what is probably the strongest wide receiver room outside the Power Five. I feel moderately confident in saying that. I don't know how much of a stretch it would be. You know, I don't think I'm really sticking my neck out there. But um, you know, with uh, with Romeo Dubs, Elijah Cooks, Troy Horton. Um, and now Spiker uh, goes in there to join that crew. Are we buying Spiker anywhere? No, because like you said, it's probably the best wide receiver room outside the Power Five. So, you know, I, I think that one, he's kind of he's going in a step down in competition, which normally is you know something that you would want. But in this situation, I like Dubs. Uh, I like Cooks. You know, I think Horton has a good shot. I think he's he's pretty solid as well. He's somebody I'll have to look into a little bit more, but somebody who I think is, you know, at least fairly solid there. And then they also have Cole Turner as another mouth to feed in that offense too. Um, so, you know, I like Carson Strong, but I don't think he can support four wide receivers in a tight end. So here's the here's here's my my slight uh, retort to that, and that a lot of those guys could be gone after this year, right? I mean, Dubs, Cooks, and Turner, I suspect, if Nevada has a strong year, I'll leave. Plus, but if, Carson Strong. Yes. Was that what you were going to say? Yes. I was going to say, if Nevada has a strong year on offense, oh, Carson Strong might leave as well. I and I know nothing about that backup. You know, yeah, so. I, I don't know who their backup Like, I don't know what the, the second string looks like there. No. So at that point, yes, the targets clear up, but we have no idea who's throwing him the ball. So, you know, maybe I'll throw him on a watch list, but I'm not picking him up anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a delicate situation, but you have to think that, you know, he he may have just missed the perfect timing there to really get in uh, with the Nevada crew. Who knows, though? Um, I actually, you know, we talked about the Nevada offense Um Two months ago, maybe on the show, just talking about you Something know some like five offenses we want to buy into. I'm trying to remember if we had talked about how potent their uh, offenses were before that, or you know, their yeah. coaches or their OCs. I don't, I don't remember them having like particularly prolific offenses before this crew was there. So it'll, it remains yeah. to be seen whether this is kind of a, a, a fluky uh, stars align or whether this is something that maybe they can maintain there. Yeah, I don't think that they're they're not like a perennial powerhouse offense i don't think they've really had like a and and i don't really know because i don't really play cff um that's something i'm getting into a little bit more uh but like you said I, you know i'm more of the dynasty Devi background a little bit there so but the the only nevada relevant player that comes to my mind it was colin kaepernick and that was how many years ago at this point many many Many. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while since they've had a, a an NFL fantasy relevant player. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and to be honest, you know, we can talk about what Spiker's profile was coming out of high school. That's really all we can tell you about him because in his uh, couple years there at Washington in 2019, he played three games, uh, three catches, 67 yards, and no stats last year. I'm assuming he opted out. So we don't have, you know, I can't even look at what he's done or go watch, you know, a couple Washington games and say wow, this kid, you know, in the last three years has, has done X, Y, and Z because he just really hasn't. Yeah, yes, that's 
and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, but that's part of the problem with a lot of the people who were at, were at Washington is there just wasn't much production there. So it's hard to judge those guys. Yeah, I think that's probably part, partially a, a coaching staff issue there as well. Um, they're, they're not exactly the most prolific passing offense here uh, as of late. All right. So, like I said, we that we're about to talk for a very long time in this segment. Um, so if you need to pause, go get yourself a drink, maybe a snack. You know, you got <laughs> to use the restroom. Do it now, please. Silence all cell phones. Um, no, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk for a long time here, and that's why we're thinking this is going to get split into two episodes here, just because I think this is you know we're we're buckling up here. We're about to talk for a long time, where we are just going to take stock of where things sit right now because we've been doing this for six months and this is about the midpoint of the offseason. It seems like a good, as good a time as any to reflect um, on, on what we've got going on. So we want to start off here. Uh, the category is biggest freshman movers. We have like 13 people listed here. <laughs> but I said, we're going to talk for a while, guys. You know, we should just pick like one guy at each position. Yeah, we did not do that tonight because we think just leave. You, we can't, like you can't, break this really up into a bunch of episodes you kind of just have to you know sit here and do this all at once yep. so, sit down knock it all out exactly so that's what we're going to do um at, at the risk of um of um uh complicating our personal uh relationships um with, with the people that we live <laughs> with here so you guys are welcome we're doing this for you the sacrifices that we that we make here um so colin do you just want to kick it off with uh, with a guy that and this is a a, a move up for you i would assume i mean don't put words in my mouth okay but yeah Mar yes. you heard it here first mario <laughs> williams dropping like a stone in colin decker's <laughs> um no so yeah first up here mario williams uh and that's a guy that you shouldn't really surprise anybody here that he's a stock up um you know i mean he came in you know fairly decently high stock he was the number four wide receiver in the class you know, going to Oklahoma, he's a high four-star guy, um, kind of filling a role that they don't really have. You know, they have Weiss, they have Hazelwood, who are two bigger guys. They also bring in Mike Woods, also a bigger guy. Marvin Mims isn't the biggest, but he still plays better on the outside. Um, you know, so Mario Williams kind of fill in the, uh, probably likely fill in the slot role there, you know, and he's also... You know, he got he looked really good this spring. You know, he was catching eyes and he looked really good in that spring game as well. So yeah, I think he's a guy who definitely rose up my rankings. Uh, I, I will say initially I was a little concerned about the size. Uh, you know, 5'11, 178, 178 pretty light, but like you so astutely mentioned the other day, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or in our, one of our Slack groups uh, or the Discord, you know if the NFL doesn't really care about weight anymore, you know, we see Devonta Smith go 12th overall. We see Tutu Atwell go in the second. If the NFL doesn't really care that much about weight at wide receiver, it matters less to me. Um, so, you know, this, that's also something that we didn't factor in when he's, well, at least that I didn't factor in, you know, when I was initially ranking my freshman was the fact that the NFL's starting to, and, you know, maybe it was just a one year thing, but the NFL's starting to shift in the direction where they don't care as much about the weight of wide receivers. So there, there, I, 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 he has risen for me too, but there are still a couple of things that give me a little bit of a concern about Mario Williams. And the, the size is one of them. You know, I, I know the NFL kind of just showed that they didn't care, but I'm also, 
cautiously thinking, you know, is this just because this whole class was small? Right. But it, they're really, you know, you look at the top, the first two rounds and Terrace Marshall's the only bigger guy that went in those two rounds, right? Everybody else was, you know, either shorter or slighter. Um, yeah. And I mean, and, even you want to talk about Jamar Chase, but he wasn't that big. Oh, yeah. Chase, yeah. But I mean, he's the biggest, you know, is six foot 200 or, you know, a little over 200. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's not. That's not. I mean, if you look at the this the twenty twenty two class here, you have Traylon Burks bigger than that, George Pickens bigger bigger than that, David Bell bigger than that, um, a lot of the top guys bigger than that. Really, I mean the the Ohio State duo is a little bit smaller. Yeah, but so so his size does concern me a little bit still. And the other thing that I I am a little worried about, and you kind of touched on a little bit, and I'm just not hundred percent sure if you, what you said is. Is true not to not to feel like Oof. you idiot, but I'm. <laughs> well, not it wouldn't good. be the first time you said that. I'm, <laughs> that's a good point. I'm being nice tonight. I, 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 I yeah. I, I swore before the show. I promised. Um, I, I promised the the people that I would be nice tonight. I appreciate um, that, people. Thank you. I, I'm not sure that Marvin Mims plays better not like outside. So PFF doesn't necessarily break down, at least not that I can find, um, catch percentage as it relates. Um, to the slot, like they, they don't break it down by production. They just break it down by snaps. So it's difficult for me necessarily to sit here and pick out exactly what games he excelled in based on, you know, what was what. But there is a direct correlation for the most part between games that he had more targets and games that he played a, a higher slot percentage. Interesting. So he never played. I mean, he he averaged on the year. He ended up he had 34 percent of his snaps out of the slot, sixty six percent out wide, and he never really had. He had like one or two games a little bit above fifty percent from the slot, but none where he you know played the full the full time there. But you know some of the games that he um, that he played more in the slot. You know week uh, week eight against TCU, he had forty five forty five percent of his snaps out of the slot. Had uh, six targets, four catches, one hundred and thirty two yards, two touchdowns. Week 12 against Oklahoma State, he played 58% of his snaps there. Three catches, 65 yards. Um, Iowa State, 41%. Uh, eight targets, seven receptions, 101 yards, a touchdown. So like, I, I'm just looking at some of his game logs here and how PFF has it broken down. And it looks like he... Now, whether that's a, a you know a part of the offense and how the offense operates or if it was strictly on him, I don't exactly know. Um, but... But I so I, I don't know, you know, are they comfortable in moving him outside almost full time now? And can Mims and Williams coexist if he doesn't look like he's succeeding uh, terribly outside? Um, so that's the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause on Mario Williams and why I still uh, he's risen for me. But I think I, if you just if I look at like my my total wide receiver rankings now. And I'm pulling them from um, like our, our data in the background just because we have a, an update coming through here in the next day or two. Um, so these are going to be more accurately if reflect what I'm doing. I have him as wide receiver 41. And I have him just behind, you know, here my top you know, seven or eight guys ahead of him. Chris Ottman-Bell, Jahan Dotson, Aeneas Smith, Joe Nada, Ja'Cory Roberson, Elijah Badger, and Calvin Austin. And then right behind him, I have, you know, Christian Leary, Jordan Whittington, CJ Johnson. So, I mean, I, it, it's much higher than I had him a month or two ago. You know, I had him up in like my 80s, but I have like a pool of these freshman wide receivers down in like the mid 20s. And I just, I can't quite creep him up into that group. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. I have him uh, as my wide receiver 50 right now. Um, and he'll probably rise a couple spots here. So it's not like I'm, you know, super high on Mario Williams. Um, I, but I do, you know, he definitely rose up from where he was before. Um, you know, he is, I have him just behind Lonnie White right now. Um, I don't know if I'll have him jump Lonnie White just because we haven't seen Lonnie White get on the field at all. So he's kind of getting forgotten about a little bit, except in, you know, circles where, you know, either we are in, because I know you talk about him a lot. I talk about him a lot as well. Or also because we're in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm not sure exactly which of those two it is. But, you know, I think that there's a pretty strong correlation between us talking about Lonnie White or us being in a league and then Lonnie White going a little bit earlier than in other leagues. And, and uh, you bet if you really like Mario Williams, you better pray that Felix is not in a league with you because Felix has Mario yeah. Williams as his wide receiver 11. Oof. Yeah, yeah, he really, really likes him. Which I mean, I get you know, t- tied to a strong offense there, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think Felix is particularly high on Mims. He's so. not. He has Mims as his wide receiver twenty four, which is twice as low as the next lowest person. Yeah. So, which um, is you at twelve. Yeah. yeah. So I think that the the struggle there, and maybe you know what what everyone's uh, rankings reflect there is can can those two coexist? I'm not exactly sure. Especially, I mean, the other guys on the team are bigger, um, mm-hmm. but you have to figure, you know, I think Mike Woods features there this year. I think that that's a, there's a really good chance of that because he transferred so late in the spring and to a school like Oklahoma, it's kind of surprising. Like he was looking like the number two guy on that offense. And I was listening to the most recent episode of Chasing the Natty with uh, Jared and Xavier, and they were talking about how they're interested in Mike Woods as well because. You know, he was looking as like the number two guy at, at Arkansas, which is a pretty steady role there. You know, he would have had to fight off Trey Knox, but, you know, I think he could have done that. And all of a sudden he transfers really late in the spring to Oklahoma. So you have to figure there was a reason for that. Um, so that definitely is interesting there. Now, I will also say uh, those the stats you pulled from PFF on Mims is really interesting um, about his production versus his slot snaps yeah. and like i um, said the, i i can't for sure say that right. all those catches came from the slot just seems like there's a correlation or either right. so if you look at those games you know they, they, they go together right right so it's something something i'm gonna have to go back take a look at but uh when i was talking about mims you know probably playing a little bit better on the outside i was just referring to his he's for somebody who's 511 was listed as 177, I believe, coming in. I don't have that one pulled up in front of me, but it was like right around there. Um, it was a little under 180, I believe, when he was coming in. But for somebody listed that size, he's such a good contested catch receiver. Uh, he's very good in the red zone. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, so it's about to be the USC happy hour here. And for the, uh, we're, none of these are in order. You know, we just, I literally put these on here and I was like, let's just make a list. Of all the guys that we that we moved, and so that's and it started out as we had like three slots each. Now that we have like eight guys, um, got a little out of hand somewhere along the line. I don't know what happened. Um, so I, I put down Michael Jackson the third as a guy that's really rising for me because he was not on my radar. I thought, you know, USC loaded receiver room, um, and then at various points this offseason, you know, they've brought in Taj Washington. I really like Gary Bryant Jr., who came in last year. Kyle Ford coming back. Drake London still there. Brew McCoy figures to have some sort of role, perhaps. 
Um, so you, you just look at that that wide receiver room, and then he's not even the highest rated guy in his own class. Uh, where Hudson is, is is rated higher than him, he's a four star guy. Uh, Michael Jackson's only a, a three star, and he's further down the list, to be honest. Um, but he is a guy, you know. Once, and I'm I'm, I'm even starting to, to buy in this a little bit more than I was even you know at the beginning of the offseason here. Where once you know we can rank these guys on talent all we want. Once they get on on campus and spring starts happening, there's there's helmets and pads on, and the coaches start saying really nice things or really bad things about them in interviews. You know, those things all matter way more than what a uh, you know a a twenty something year old kid who lives you know in Pittsburgh and, and watches this stuff on his computer <laughs> uh, thinks about this and rocks a bow tie. Yes, rocks a bow tie is a discussion point. <laughs> <laughs> so i i'm bumping jackson way up i keep looking at my wide receiver rankings and i keep thinking you know there's no reason for me not to bump him up another couple spots i am definitely the highest on him in the group i think i have him at 80 right now he's gonna keep going for me like there's there's zero doubt in my mind that by the end of this offseason he's gonna be higher um alfred and i have him at 79 and 80 and then you know 102 120 95 amongst everybody else um but i just especially in that usc offense if graham harrell remains there they're gonna pass a lot he's got the type of skill set that i think meshes really well with that yeah i i completely agree i think that part of the reason he's getting overlooked right now is people are still hanging on to guys like broom coy and Kyle Ford, who, you know, Kyle Ford, he he just keeps getting hurt. He keeps getting banged up. You know, availability sometimes the best availability or availability sometimes is the best ability. And Kyle Ford has been struggling in that area right for early on in his career at USC at least. And then I know you're particularly low on Brew McCoy. Um I I'm not a big fan of his either. You know, I'm, I think that he's, uh, I, I just, I just don't see it with him. We'll put it that way. So I think that there's a, there's an opportunity for him for, for Michael Jackson, the third there. And even if he doesn't get on the field a ton this year, I do think that next year, I think Drake London's going to go. I think he's going to leave in the draft. Um, who also speaking of big guys, Drake London, big guy in this class, um, compared to last year's class, but I think Drake London probably leaves, you know, then that opens up their biggest, you know, he's going to be their biggest target hog this year. And then, you know, those are going to be open. And if Michael Jackson keeps showing out like he has been, you know, I think that he's a guy who could step into the camp next year as looking at a, a very significant role. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit more of a long play. You know, and that's why I, I'm taking him like in the early 20s in drafts right now. That seems to be kind of a, a good spot for him. The early, like 20th round, not like 20th mm -hmm. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that just seems to be, in my opinion, a really nice, um, a, a nice range for a guy that could be the wide receiver one at USC within a year. Yeah, and I don't think that's like an outrageous um, thought process. Um, as of right now, I, I I just think he meshes so perfectly there with what they want to do as kind of a, a a little bit more of a yak guy. Um, so so yeah, I'm I think that he, actually don't listen to me. Don't, please don't go draft Michael Jackson. <laughs> so that, so that yes. I can continue to pick him up places. Um, I take back everything I said. Yeah, we both do. Um, I anybody who is in any drafts with me that are coming up uh, or ongoing, 
uh, Michael Jackson, who <laughs> I, I don't like the, the, the singer or was there a sprinter named Michael? J- I don't, I don't know, but do your, um, do your thing again. Do your thing again. You did it. You did it last week. I did my freshman profile. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, yeah. So anybody who's in leagues with me, do not draft uh, Michael Jackson, the third, everybody else. Yeah. Go get him. Yeah. All right. What about the quarterback there? Uh, yeah. So the guy, uh, one of my big risers here is Jackson dart. Um, he's a guy that I have found myself leaving pretty much every draft with, with Jackson dart. Um, he has, you know, he, he has looked sometimes like a freshman on camp at camp. You know, I have seen that. I've also seen a lot of people say he has looked like the best quarterback at USC this spring. And that includes Keaton Slovis who Keaton Slovis is going to start this year. I, I would be shocked. I'd be absolutely floored if Jackson Dart started the year. Um, but, you know, it's everybody's saying that Slovis did not look good. I was listening to uh, 24-7 Sports' USC Trojans pod the other day, and they were saying that Keaton Slovis threw an interception, at least one interception, every single day at practice this spring. Um, now, it could have been a little bit of hyperbole, but, you know, I, I the, the point is he has been making a lot of mistakes. They said he has not looked like a guy who it, it should be a third year, it will be a third year starter. Whereas Dart was making some freshman mistakes. You know, he threw some picks, um, you know, but he also has been the only quarterback who's been willing to push the ball downfield. Um, you know, Miller Moss has not looked like that either. Um, you know, he's looked a little bit more on the Keaton Slovis side. And then Mo Hassan, the transfer from Vanderbilt, uh, tore his ACL. So he's out. So it looks like Jackson Dart has that number two duty locked up. Now, I'm going to say something. And Austin, you already disagreed with it uh, privately. So I can't wait to hear you disagree with oh, it on air. Baby. Um, it would not surprise me if Jackson Dart got some starts this year don't stop no 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 now don't do it don't do it colin don't do it now let me then follow follow me here with this follow me here with this so usc has been rumored for a while now to be ready to kind of part ways with clay helton he's been on the hot seat for a couple years now so uh, usc starts the year with san jose state that's a win then they go to they have Stanford. Uh, I don't think that highly of Stanford, so that's probably a win there. You know, the next couple games there, not a particularly difficult stretch. Then they hit Utah, who that's a team that could give them some issues. And then they get Notre Dame. And I think Notre Dame's going to probably beat them. So if they lose to Utah and Notre Dame, and now all of a sudden Clay Helton has to coach for his job. Then they get Arizona State. Well, that's they get Arizona. That's a tough stretch, those three games. They get Arizona in between there and then Arizona State. So, you know, if if they come out of that stretch with three losses, Clay Helton might be in trouble. So after that Notre Dame game, I could potentially see Jackson Dart maybe getting a couple snaps in the Arizona game because I think they're going to blow Arizona out. Arizona's not a good team. 
Um, so he looks in at the end of the game. Maybe it looks good if things aren't going the right way in Arizona State. Maybe Jackson Dart get, Jackson Dart gets in there and gets some snaps. Um, it wouldn't be the craziest thing for me. And I'm not going to say I'm going to bet on that happening, but like I said, it wouldn't be the craziest thing there. So if he gets some snaps, he could take over, or you know, maybe completely could be completely wrong. And you know, Keaton Slovis looks fine all year. It's overblown in the spring here. You know, he's coming back from an injury, so. Keaton Slovis, uh, alternate option number two. Keaton Slovis looks fine all year. USC loses two games, you know, and ends up ranked 15th in the country. Clay Helton saves his job. Keaton Slovis goes off to the NFL. Now Jackson Dart's the number one, the starting quarterback there. So maybe you have to wait a year. But either way, I think Jackson Dart is the Jackson Dart is the next guy at USC. So he has climbed my rankings pretty significantly. Yeah, so I think of all the freshman quarterbacks here, he is one of the few that like they are just blatantly signaling that he's the next guy no matter what. Yeah, that's why he's starting to separate. I, I've moved him up considerably in my quarterback rankings here, um, to the point where in terms of freshmen that I actually think I would take over him, especially at value in drafts, it literally the list starts and ends um, with Caleb Williams. There's not another freshman quarterback I would take ahead of him in, in, in uh, like a regular startup draft um, at this point, just because uh, Heward, Heward and Buchner are cl- they're all kind of close. Mm-hmm. But if I look at my rankings uh, right now, you know, uh, Dart has moved steadily up. He started out the year, and I I should have been better at documenting exactly where I had all these quarterbacks ranked uh, amongst the group here uh, at large. Um, but he was like my QB nine or ten out of, out of all the freshmen. And now I, t- I technically have him at three, but I just like his value way more than Buchner or um, or, or Heward that both go in the 60s or 70s in our ADP. Um, and, and Dart goes after 100, I believe. And Dart, yeah. yeah Dart's ADP there. is uh, 149. And it actually, it was 153 February, 141 in March, and then 153 again in April. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I when I'm doing these drafts, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks are kind of it's kind of chalky as to how they go. You know, you have the top four that go within the top five or six picks or whatever. I think the lowest I've seen one drop is to seven. Um, but it, it is a pretty if you don't have a top five pick, you're probably not walking away with one of those guys. Right. And you kind of have the pool of guys after that. That's kind of a cluster. Um, and none, these aren't my rankings per se, but you know, you get Keaton Slovis in there. You get. Uh, CJ Stroud, Jaden Daniels, Carson Strong, really depending on draft, uh, you'll see any of those guys. Even sometimes Malik Willis lately has been creeping up in there. Um, and then after that, you have your JT Daniels. Then you have Buchner, Heward, uh, McCall, Desmond Ritter, Caleb Williams. Those guys all to go together. Jackson Dart goes after all those guys, and he is the last guy when I'm doing a draft, like if I'm thinking I can walk out of this startup draft with a, with, with a, few, a guy that – it clearly has future NFL potential. Jackson Dart is the last guy on my list. So if I don't get him, and that's why I'm, uh, you know, everyone kind of started calling me, you know, team zero quarter, zero QB. <laughs> if I don't get him, then I'll just punt it for 10 rounds plus. Like, I just don't even care at that point. I'll, I'll let it ride um, for as long as I need to until I find some value at the position. Um, so, so he's kind of the demarcation there for me. Um, and I, cause I just, yeah, like I, I think he's clearly the guy and there's nobody next year that, that I think pushes nope. him. You know, we were talking about, um, uh, Jake Garcia the other day, 
and how we were saying, you know, you have to be careful because he looks like he's the guy, but they have Ja'Curry Brown coming in, and Ja'Curry Brown looks really good, and he's kind of tailor-made for what that offense is doing right now with the Eric King there. So that's a scary proposition to, to spend any sort of significant capital on a Jake Garcia when there is a chance that he gets jumped next year, and, and Dart does not have that problem. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Miller Moss is there. Um, also a fairly high recruit this year. I love um, that we're just talking like Miller Moss doesn't exist. Right. So he's he's there, but pretty much doesn't exist. Like I would be pretty surprised if he ended up overtaking Dart uh, as the number two guy there this year, number one, future number one guy. I, I see a transfer in his future, to be honest. So, um, you know, I think, uh, yes, we're not ignoring Miller Moss, but we're kind of ignoring Miller Moss. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you phrased that. Like, oh, yeah, we are, you know, one of these things. Um, yeah, I think I think he's just clearly the guy out there. Dart's going to be the guy. Um, so the next guy I put here is a guy that um, I'm willing to admit my, my pre-assessment on him was wrong, and that's Troy Franklin, wide receiver at Oregon. You know, I didn't have him in my uh, – yeah, I did. He was like my wide receiver nine, I think. Um Scary size, scary size. You know, uh, I think he was listed at one point at 6'2", 160. He's now listed at 6'2", 170, um, which if those measurements sound familiar, that's basically what they said Devonta Smith was for months. Um, <laughs> and he weighed in at 166. Um, so the uh, the he just went 12th overall, you know, like, like we've talked about a couple times here in the past couple weeks now. Um, and Franklin looked really, really good. In the spring game, had a couple of really nice catches. The size does not seem to affect him. You know, he's physical at the catch point, or at least he looked like it in the spring there. And, and Oregon has good DBs and a good defense. Yes. Um, so so for him to go out there and look really, really good like he did in that game um, is making me rethink. And the coaching staff all seems to be aboard it. Um, you know, I, and so he's just been shooting up my rankings. I believe he, I had him as in my 70s when, um, you know, whenever uh, combined between all my wide receivers when he was coming into school here. And um, I now have him at a wide receiver at 27. He's moved up considerably for me. I'm doing the 16 teamer right now that's um, kind of making me buck how I usually draft. I'm literally, my first six picks, I just swung for the fences as hard as I possibly could. Um, Lost the bat on a couple of swings. It's okay, though. Um, <laughs> but Franklin was one of the guys that I took. I took him in the sixth round of a 16-teamer um, because I you know, I think that this, if he hits, he's going to hit really, really big. And I think he, he can do some big things there, even if, um, you know, as Kyle Francis was saying the other day uh, with, with Felix, that Oregon's um, uh, offense coordinator now is not exactly known for producing huge uh, college-producing wide receivers. Yeah, that's the other thing too. There's we've had guys at Oregon that we kind of liked in the past, and they just really haven't done anything. So that does kind of give me a little bit of pause there. But at the same time, you can't scout the helmet. You know, you can't worry too much about who, you know, who's come before these guys. Um, I do like Franklin. Franklin is, is a guy who, who's risen for me there as well, um, and especially with the potential of Ty Thompson in the future. Um, you know, you mentioned guys that are pretty much like the next guy up. Um, I don't think it's as solid as, as, as Jackson Dart at USC, but I feel pretty good about 
um, Ty Thompson being the next guy up at Oregon. It sounds like Anthony Brown is going to win that job and start this year. I feel like a lot of that has to do with experience level. Uh, but Ty Thompson also has looked like a, a freshman at camp as well. And, you know, Jay Butterfield has looked better than him. But you don't bring in a quarterback like Ty Thompson to sit in behind Jay Butterfield. So I think he's going to be the next guy up. And I like that for Troy Franklin. You know, I feel comfortable with whoever's going to be the future quarterback there is going to be able to get him the ball. I have some questions about Anthony Brown being able to get him the ball because uh, he's not the best passer. Um, but, you know, I think that either way, he's going to get good time here as a freshman. He's uh, it, um, Franklin is going to get good time as a freshman. And he has already shown out in spring here as well. So big stock up there for Franklin. Yeah, realistically, like 10 to 15 catches this year, max, I think. Yeah. Um, but then you start clearing out some of the junk in front of yeah. him there. Him and, and Deontay Thornton, to be fair. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, you know, I, he's probably, he's risen a little bit for me too. Just uh, Franklin's moved so much more um, just because he fits a little more of the kind of guy, the archetype that I like uh, as a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so the, the next guy here that I'll move into is uh, a guy who's been, you know, everybody's been stock up for us so far. Uh, this is a guy who's stocked down for me. And it's that's Armani Goodwin running back going to uh, LSU. And the stock down for him, for Armani Goodwin isn't really so much as anything that he's done, but it, you know, he, he hasn't been, he, he wasn't on campus. Um, he had, I don't believe he was an early enrollee from everything that I could see. And they were saying that, yeah, the LSU's running back room did not look good. They just have a ton of bodies there and, and nobody that I really feel that good about. They have Terry Davis price. Who's probably going to be the, the thumper there. I think it sounds like he's got that role pretty much solidified. Not that that's anything that Armani Goodwin does anyway. Armani Goodwin's pretty much the polar opposite of that. Um, at, I think he's what five, eight, one ninety. Um, so he's smaller. Um, but then they have guys like John Emery, the ever talented guy who just keeps failing to produce. They have Trey Bradford, they have Corey Kiner in there as well. Um, so it's just a lot of guys. They're bringing in some guys next year too. So uh, it's just a really crowded backfield. And it's just, Armani Goodwin's not a guy that I've ended up with anywhere. No, I'm, I'm actually not touching anybody in that backfield. And not Same. only not only do they just have a ton of bodies there, but the other problem is that as of right now, and again, you know, that I don't necessarily want to make decisions in drafts this year based on what's coming in next year because these guys right. haven't even signed a letter of intent yet. You know, a lot of things can happen between, uh, between now and then. But they have two guys coming in there right now. And I, I've been doing C2C for three years and, and Debbie a little, uh, slightly longer than that. So I, you know, I've been aware uh, around for basically every guy that's, that's in that LSU backfield at this point. I think that the two guys that they have committed right now for next year are already better than, I like them more than any of the other guys coming out of high school, except for maybe Emery. And at this point, Emery's proven that he's not what we thought he was. Um, they have Le'Veon Moss, and um, who, who I have a tier two grade on for next year. He said he's a top seven or eight kid in the class for me. And they have Trevante Citizen, who is my number three back in the class next year, and I love. I think he can be a star in college. Great size, great hands, smooth athlete, um, just really smart runner, um, can, do, can do it all. I, I think he has a three-down skill set. I think he's significantly better than anybody else in that roster. So it does give me a little bit pause when I had to spend – 
and a lot of these drafts, you know, unless unless you're playing with a really savvy crew, usually you'll still see like a John Emery or, or someone like that going way before they probably should or realistically in drafts. Um, and so, and so you have to spend a pretty early pick on any of these guys. Yeah. And I just don't want to commit that kind of capital when I think there, there might be two guys next year that I like way more um, coming in. Yeah. Armani Goodwin's ADP average ADP right now, one twenty three. Uh, his ADP in March was 98. Yeah. Um, it's fallen a little bit. It's, it's 1 to 30 now. Um, so it, it's fluctuated a little bit there, but still 123. It's a 10th round pick. I got Jackson Dart in the 10th round uh, of uh, the program startup that I just did. I would way rather have Jackson Dart than Armani Goodwin. And I even reached on Jackson Dart, you know, compared to his ADP. But you know, we like we talked about his big stock up here for me. I think he's going too late, but we already moved past him. Um, you know, Armani Goodwin, like I said, just, just the tenth round is just way too early for a guy that I don't really know what his role's going to be there. I don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable projecting anybody in that backfield. And like you mentioned, there's two guys coming in next year too that look really good at this point. So um, yeah, he's a guy who's fallen for me. Yeah, I mean, if it, even you look at the other guys too, like Kiner is at one seventy six uh, overall ADP, or sorry, one sixty one. Sorry, average. John Emery's at ninety two average. Um, the only one that I think has a reasonable, well, even Tyrion Davis Price is at one twenty nine. You know, like that's, I, I just don't really like that value on any of those guys. Bradford is probably the best one at two thirty eight, but even then, like I, I just don't. Yeah, because he had know. some off the field stuff. Oh, did he? I did not know mm-hmm. that. Huh. Yeah, he. I want to say he robbed a Walmart. Who has? Like, Who amongst <laughs> us has not robbed a Walmart? <laughs> yeah, but he got caught. Oh, oh. And don't don't quote me on that. I'm almost positive that he uh, that he uh, robbed a Walmart. Here. You know, but, literally, as soon as we log off here, I'm just going to go in and clip that he robbed a Walmart and posting it on Twitter <laughs> and quoting you. Right. But that's how this is going to work. <laughs> but um yeah i mean so i think that's a really good shout yes. theft at walmart uh, arrested after alleged theft at walmart back on december 23rd did it say what he stole uh because that's usually like the funniest part of these stories he yeah was cowboys that stole like underwear or whatever the one time <laughs> i don't know i don't know who that was um they doesn't say anywhere that i'm i'm not seeing anywhere that he it says to say what he stole. Ooh. Okay, that's fair. Um, oh, yeah. it, was Joseph, it was Joseph Randall that stole the underwear, by the way, mm. running back. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's and, a name I've heard in a while. Cologne. So he had a really nice evening planned, apparently, that they ruined uh, <laughs> by, by taking him in. <laughs> um, so, so my next guy that I have a mover here, and again, this is another riser for me. You know, I haven't hit any guys going going down yet. We will get there. Uh, Caleb Williams and you know we talked a lot about on this show and I'm still skeptical you know for what's for this is not like a you know a full 180 turn or now I'm just totally on the Caleb Williams bandwagon but I'm coming around on the the fact that you can draft him now and Spencer Spencer Rattler leaves and he's automatically a first round pick in, in drafts next year I don't feel bad say like I that that's a fact yep basically that that, that is virtually a fact He's going in the third or fourth round of, of drafts right now. So if you can, if you tell me, you know, you can take a guy in a format that is 
uncertain as uncertain gets at the average of the 44th pick overall in your draft. And that ADP is going to go from 44 to 10 in a year. Yeah. It's like, you know, putting money in Apple stock. Like it's this time next year, it's going to be higher than it is now. It's pretty much unless the whole market just, you know, implodes on itself. So I, I'm coming around on that. He looked okay in the spring game. He looked a little better than I expected him to, to be honest. You know, they gave him some gimme stuff. They really weren't asking him to do a lot, but right. that's okay. That's okay. You know, I don't expect you them to necessarily just toss a freshman in there and say, good luck. Um, and he did okay. You know, he, he might've had the water wings on, but when they tossed him in the pool, you know, he, he swam <laughs> a little bit. Um, and, you know, just, a, just as the, the thought of a dual threat guy there, you know, the Lincoln Riley factor, I, I don't think can be ignored. So he's he's moved way up for me. You know, I think, again, another guy that was in the, the 30s for me and was right around QB 10 for me, and now he's like my QB 1 in this class. Just purely based on the fact that I can get him in the fourth round and I'm guaranteed to see a huge step up in value in the next 12 months. And I think that can't be understated, and I think I, I understated it too much in my initial rankings. So Because there's not a guy coming in next year for them. There's no one going to be nipping on his heels. It's, that's going to be his job. Yeah, that's the one thing with Lincoln Riley is he so far, uh, and it's a small sample size. He's only brought in two five-star quarterbacks, but he seems to be a little bit more selective about who he goes after. He went after um, Spencer Rattler, but he went after Spencer Rattler with the plan that, okay, he's going to sit for a year behind Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is going to leave. Then it's going to be Spencer Rattler's guy. Then he didn't go after anybody in the next class. Now he just went after Caleb Williams. So now Caleb Williams sits for a year behind Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler likely to leave as the 2022 QB class does not look particularly strong at this point in time. Uh, it is early, but I, I would like, be. I like the 2022 class more than I like this year's. I'm going to be honest. You, um, you mean? Oh, the, you mean draft NFL. class? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I was yes, thinking. Yes, yes. I was thinking freshman. Yeah, no, the twenty. No, 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 no. NFL class blows. Okay. Yes, <laughs> we're on the same page. <laughs> yes, yeah. The twenty twenty two NFL draft class mm. does not uh, really look that great. Um, so I think that it's uh, very, very likely that Spencer Rattler leaves, and Caleb Williams just slides right in. You know, then the next year, there's not anybody that he's bringing. Uh, Lincoln Riley's bringing in. Here after that. You know, he's been linked to a couple guys, including Arch Malachi. Manning. Malachi. Yes, Malachi looks like the biggest guy. Um, he, he has been linked to Arch Manning as well. So he's going to bring in somebody in that class. So he seems to space it out a little bit. So I'm not that worried about anybody coming in, jumping Caleb Williams. So like you said, he's, yes, you're going to have to invest a third round pick in him now. I know his ADP is 40, but throw that out the window. You have to take him in the third. Um, I have, you know, the past couple drafts uh, have not seen him that I've been in. I have not seen him go later than third. Um, yeah, just a uh, spoiler alert. I've, I have been uh, putting together the May ADP data and uh, him and Malik Willis are uh, difficult to get. Rocket ships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Caleb Williams, big stock up for me as well for the same reasons that you touched on. I, mean, I still have some questions about him as a passer. You know, everybody likes to talk about that spring game, but like you said, they kind of had the training wheels on a little bit, which is fine. Spring, you know, he should technically still be in high school. So that's fine to give him some training wheels. And he looked good with what he did. 
but I still do have some questions about him as a passer overall. Yeah, I, I don't fault you for that. Uh, I'm assuming that your next guy here is a stock down. Yes. I was yes. Saying, I, I, that would have to be a hell of an <laughs> argument for me to agree to this next guy. <laughs> Buckle up. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, the next guy here for me is a stock down, and that is Brock Vandegrift, uh, quarterback George, out of Georgia. Um, you know, and you may be saying, Colin, didn't he just win the Gatorade Player of the Year? Yeah, he did. Um, you know, he looked great in high school. But, you know, he Carson Beck looked really good this spring, apparently. Uh, it's very likely that he's going to be the number two guy this year. Stetson Bennett, for all the trash that we gave him, has started before. So if, and Georgia likes to be pretty conservative with their quarterbacks. So if an apocalypse happened and JT Daniels and Beck went down, I think they would turn to Stetson Bennett before they did Vandergriff. Um, so I don't think Vandergriff's going to get, he, he, I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be any higher than three on this depth chart, you know? And then the year after that, they're bringing in another five-star guy, Gunnar Stockton as well, who I have gotten a chance to watch. I do like Gunnar Stockton from what I've seen so far. So that's going to kind of be a fight. Um, assuming JT Daniels leaves. I don't think it's a guarantee that Vandergriff is the next guy up at Georgia. Um, so I think, you know, and I have not ended up with Vandergriff anywhere. Um, his value has fluctuated a little bit. Um, he was the, uh, his ADP was 60 in February, 78 in March, a little bit of a drop 79 now. So average ADP of 74. That's just way too early for a guy that I, I don't love as a prospect overall. I mean, he has some nice traits, but uh, you know, he's got a good arm. He's mobile. Um, number two dual threat, so definitely mobile, but that's just way too early for a guy that I don't even feel necessarily is going to be the starter at his college. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I was never a big Vandergriff guy. Uh, Felix and I had some some uh, friendly arguments about that uh, this offseason. And just uh, to give you an idea, right now his ADP for May is 92. Mm, okay, so I, pretty I, big I have, drop. Yeah, I have one more draft still to input here, but I'm not sure that's going to affect him that much uh, off okay. the top of my head. So um, uh, another drop, and to be honest, I think he's going to keep dropping. Um, and just, uh, I, I looked it up after you were talking about it. Do you want to know who the last 10 uh, Gatorade National Players of the Year were? Oh, boy. This is going to be a bad list, I have a feeling, just based on your smile right now. It's really bad, yeah. So uh, I've actually not heard of a couple of these people before. Uh, so just, uh, 2010 is where I'm starting here. Justin Worley. Jonathan Gray, I'm pretty sure it's the Jonathan Gray that um that played for the Patriots for a little bit. Um, okay. Max Max Brown, quarterback, went to USC. Andrew Brown, I don't even know who that is. Kyler Murray, okay. Jacob Eason, okay. Tate Martell, Ugh. JT Daniels, <laughs> eh, okay. Yeah, Jake Smith, hmm. and then Eric Gilbert. All right, Eric, Eric. Eric Gilbert shows a lot. Uh, of potential you've got as well. you've got like three. You've got <laughs> two there that you feel really good about. JT Daniels, who you feel okay about, and then it's really really bad. So I mean, <laughs> um, it's definitely a mixed bag. Um, but so it's not like you know saying, and this is not to like make fun of what you just said or anything, but saying like you know Brock Vandergroup is Gatorade Player of the Year really means nothing. Like that's fair. Game of things. So. Just, just tossing that out there. No, that's definitely fair. Um, I was just saying, 
you know, that's a very easy argument that somebody could say to counteract what I'm saying. Like, it's just a very easy, quick Google that they can pull and be like, oh, well, he was the National Gatorade Player of the Year. How can you be that down on him? Well, listen to that list. Yeah, I mean, Joe Maurer was too, and he even played football. So, you know. Oh, I love Joe Maurer. Yeah. Catcher for the Twins. Yeah, yeah. He was a, he was a big-time football prospect too um, back in the day. I do remember that. Um, yeah, so I'm going to – I had my, my last – oh, no. <laughs> oh, wow, I really did put all risers except for one here. You did. Whoops. I'm just – I'm glass half full kind of guy. And Colin's glass half full. <laughs> yeah, <happy>. okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I put Raheem Sanders, the running back from Arkansas, down here. And it's a bummer that he didn't play that much in the spring game. Um, but – because they didn't run the ball that much in the spring game. It was actually really, really weird. I, I don't know. If they had like already you know decided going into the game, they just wanted to to get a look at the passing offense or, or get you know KJ Jefferson some some work. I don't really know. Um, they didn't run the ball that much, but it sounds like at at worst this year um, he's going to be in a thunder and lightning duo with Traylon Smith. You know, and he, and he's you know I think if you think they they basically brought in three backs in this year's class, they bring in Raheem Sanders who was an athlete. I don't even think they were sure that he was going to play running back there. Because like, he was, it was kind of more of like a wide receiver-ish if you were going to play him on offense. Uh, but they just liked how he moved the ball in his hands. Then you had A.J. Green, another athlete, but running back and, you know, super, super athlete. Um, not on campus, though, this spring, if I remember correctly. Uh, was, had not enrolled yet. And then Javion Hunt, who was the actual only running back of the two. And I, he's like a high three-star guy. Um, I was not a, I, I watched him a little bit and just was not a fan. You know, he's like one of my, I think we have like 75 freshmen ranked and he's like, if not my lowest, like very, very close to it. Not, I, nothing really impressed me from watching him, but to come in as a kid, you know, that wasn't even expected to play running back in a class that had a bunch of other running backs in it. Sounds like he's taken the job and they just, you know, the coaches can't stop talking about this kid. He's, you know, a little over six foot, about 220 pounds. So he doesn't have to add any weight. You know, he is, he's ready made. If he just learns you know, some more of the subtleties here at the running back position, because they have said that you know you can you can tell at times that the kid's learning the running back position, but I I, I he's going to share that time this year, and then Traylon Smith is gone, and I don't know how they split it up if they split it up uh, beyond then. But you know you you have a head coach who's who's a renowned offensive line recruiter and and developer. I think you can do a lot worse than maybe betting on the uh, the running back that's going to be running behind uh, that group of guys for them. Um, so I, I did not even have Raheem Sanders ranked at all coming to, you know, was not on my radar, had not watched him. And now I have to believe in my freshman ranks, he's moved up to player, um, uh, 36, it looks like. So, I mean, that's, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, and you can get him so late in drafts because I think he's still a very well-kept secret. It depends on, uh, depends on the draft. Um, PJ knows all about him. <laughs> yes, PJ does too. But um, let me double check here. Um, I don't want to misspeak on who took him in uh, Program League Three here. Um, so let me just look that up real quick. But we've already touched a little bit on Sanders before, um, and uh, you know, we, we the you talked about him being a guy who wasn't even sure you were going to be a running back. He was going to be a um, a wide receiver. So if you're going to transition 
from a position, well, a wide receiver, maybe linebacker, but likely wide receiver. Um, so if you're going to transition from a position to running back, yeah, I want that to be wide receiver because he's a big dude. He's like a little over six foot, 222, and he can catch the ball, you know, and his nickname is Rocket. So, you know, that's that's something else too. Great nickname. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of checks marks there. And I did filibuster long enough to look this up. It was Sal. That's who I was pretty sure it was. Sal took him uh, in the 17th round. Okay. So that's, um, I, I think the one I just did, PJ took him in the 19th. So yeah. it sounds yes. like I, th- I thought he'd be there a little bit later. I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, because I, I have like a trifecta. I have, mm-hmm. I have him, uh, Caleb Hood, and Jabari Small are all kind of backs that I think are a little under the radar that you can steal and stash late. Mm-hmm. And Sanders went, and I was like, well, that kind of screws that up, but uh, got the other two. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. And and he's a guy that I was targeting as well. Um, actually, I don't even see him having a, an ADP on our on our app. Sanders. Um, yeah, Raheem Sanders. Yeah, I don't know if he uh, was getting drafted before. No. This month, so but he will be this month. So. Yeah, so he's a guy that um, stock up for us and stock up for sounds like pretty much everybody. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so my next guy here uh, is a guy we talked about last show. Uh, this is my last guy here that I'll talk about. You have three more after this, um, and I'll chime in with thoughts on them too. Because I was gonna put, I was gonna put the you have a group on there. I was gonna put one of the group on there hmm. so we could talk about them. Yeah. Um, but my stock down is uh, my boy Shadrack Banks. Uh, he's moving to linebacker, so. Unless you're in an IDP league, you can take him completely off your boards at this point. Um, and, you know, I'll take a, a moment here to also touch on guys like Billy Bowman uh, from Oklahoma, also moving to the defensive side of the ball, and Lavassier Carroll uh, for Georgia, also moving the defensive side of the ball. So all three guys who people were interested in for sure at the beginning, you know, they all have ADPs on our app here. Uh, and that, sh- that shouldn't be the case anymore. Now that they're all on the defensive side of the ball, you can ignore all three of those guys. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, um, I, I don't see Bowman. I still see the, I, I still see, um, Carol getting drafted places. And I guess, you know, once you went to get laid enough in these drafts, you know, it's all dart throws anyway. Um, people, I guess, just hoping that he'll, that he'll shift back. I'm not sure George is the place to do that. Um, right. He might, ha- he might have to go elsewhere if that's, uh, his, his ultimate goal. Sounds like he's into it though. Yeah. Like, I haven't heard anything like him like saying, like, well, fuck this. Like <laughs> I, from what I hear, he was into it and he played pretty well at it. So I think it's it would be difficult for him to have played well at it if he, you know. Right. Well, I think happy. I think if he they moved him to the defensive side of the ball and he didn't want to move to the defensive side of the ball with the COVID waiver that they're giving everybody, the immediate eligibility, you know, he could have easily transferred and gone somewhere else. But we haven't even heard any rumblings about that. So I'm not optimistic that he's gonna move back to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, at least not anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and pour one out for Shadrach. You know. <laughs> um, so I, I put Marvin Harrison Jr. Or were you done with talking about Shadrach? Yeah, yeah. Not that much, wasn't a long, not much left to say. No, that wasn't a long seg- segment. I wanted to touch on him, but then also just kind of the other guys that moved to the defensive side. I love that you labeled him linebacker TCU. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh man. Um, yeah, so I put I put Marvin Harrison Jr. here as a guy that I've really shot up my rankings. Um, and I guess, you know, I, I've apologized publicly multiple times. But Matt, you were right on the uh, 
on the uh, the the wide receiver summit we did. I was way too low on Marvin Harrison. This has now been corrected. Um, so I I I'm grabbing him everywhere right now. I I just think he's he's destined um, to, to do some big things there. And we're going to talk about this a little bit in in the next segment in terms of you know our next thing we're going to talk about is transfers that have shaped our rankings the most. But that wide receiver room is not quite as daunting as it was you know three or four months ago. Just looking at it. Uh, with some of the guys leaving and some position changes and um, you know stuff like that, you know they they're just the, the bodies. You know they, they had to pull in a couple extra chairs for the wide receiver meetings, and now you know they everyone has a place to sit and everybody's happy. Um, so you know a guy that has alpha size moves really well for that size. Every, literally everybody at the the school is is can't stop saying enough good things about him. Now maybe they're scared of his dad. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's a legitimate consideration. Um, Allegedly, uh, be scared of his dad, um, but you know the, he's just checking all the boxes for things you want to hear out of a freshman that has appeared right on campus, especially at, at such a big school like Ohio State, where you know I, I kind of doubted he would play it all this year, and now I think he's going to touch the field and get some snaps and get some run, and and, and I think he's going to succeed as as a freshman and then step into a starting role in twenty twenty two and beyond. Yeah, um, you know, first guy to lose his black stripe. Whatever that means, you know, we are joking. Obviously, we we talked about that a little bit before. Um, it's a black stripe, hooray! It's a, that's the other thing I always think. <laughs> like a red stripe beer. <laughs> that's a throwback. Oh, that's all we drank when we were in Jamaica. You get off the plane, and they're like, "You want a red stripe?" Like literally. Like, like okay. Welcome to Jamaica. Here's a complimentary red stripe. This is our this is our number one export. Ah, cool. <laughs> um, now, yeah, I. I'm with you there too. I was I was lower on him as well. Um, I was kind of in the same boat that you were in that that room was so crowded that I had a hard time seeing him getting any meaningful time this year. Um, but you know we'll we'll touch a little bit on some of that later, like you mentioned. But yeah, it's looking like he's gonna he's gonna see some time this year, and he's definitely risen up my board as well. Uh, but I do still have Emeka Egbuka ahead of him. Uh, I do still like Emeka Egbuka, but they are pretty close in my rankings. They're pretty much right back to back there. Um, so, yeah, big stock up there for Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I'm trying to look exactly where I have him here real quick. I have him as my wide receiver 25. I have Egbuka as my 26 and Harrison Jr. as my 27. So, yeah, I was right. Perfect. Yeah, so... Um... And and he was a guy that was in maybe the fifties or sixties for me, I believe. So he's just just an enormous shift. Um, yep. And the thing about him, and that's why I, I've also kind of moved him up a little bit, is just as soon as he like we where people are already reacting to it, but as soon as he does anything this year, he's going to be impossible to acquire. Yep. He really, really is. He's just one of those guys, and it doesn't help as we've talked about on the show before that his name is Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, if his name was Mike Smith Jr. I think we would care a little bit less. Uh, about it but you know just the the bloodlines is is enough to kind of turn your head a little bit yeah agreed and it's everybody knows marvin harrison jr you know you, you talked about people before uh on on our last canton bound not knowing mark brunel or, or antoine randall l because you think we're old um everybody knows marvin harrison regardless of how old you are i shouldn't say that every <laughs> you know everybody who Maybe. Maybe know who Marvin Harrison is calling. Everybody, everybody who is in a C two C league 
no it, it, if you're this far into a, into fantasy football if you're into playing c2c you know who marvin harrison is yeah yeah um, but not not with not no doubt there so i guess i'll hit i'll hit us with my one my one um dropper here my my one guy that's falling uh kamaro edmonds running back at unc and um you know i i know very little in fact i would be comfortable saying that i know zero about the process for how a guy graduates from high school early. I don't know how early in your high school career you have to decide that that's what you're going to do. I don't know realistically how that actually works. And I don't, you know, they, I don't know because you see guys do it. Like mm-hmm. they decide it's super late and you're like, what? I, yeah. How, how does that work? Like I, I couldn't have done that in high school. No, I, I mean, I, I, also, I also wasn't a, you know, major division one football, you know, thing with, you know, people willing to do whatever they could to help me out um my my you know you would think my charm and good looks were enough to get that kind of treatment but (laughs) alas um so all this to say he didn't he didn't enroll early in fact he played his spring season there in north carolina because they did not play in the fall and he's just one of those guys that uh you know it's it was it looked like an open backfield at the beginning of the offseason but now they've had a full spring here for other guys to kind of make their name there you know, you have a Ty Chandler who you're going to talk about a little bit later. And he he's he's going to get touches there. He transferred him from Tennessee. Caleb Hood looked really good. Um, and so did um, was it, uh, Justin Henderson. Is the Josh. Josh Henderson. Um, so they, I mean, those three guys played relatively well in that spring game and sounded like the coaching staff was happy with all of them. For a, you know, for a guy that could have gone in there and seized an opportunity, he really effed up by staying in school. And again, like I said, I know nothing. Maybe that was not possible for him, you know, but maybe he wanted to stay and play another year of high school, which is admirable. I get it. All the boomers probably love that, but <laughs> you're really missing out on a big opportunity to get in there and get to know your teammates and, and get reps with your, for the coaches. And I, I, he's dropping like a stone for me. I won't have any Kamaro Edmonds. I, I just, he's going in um i'm trying to look exactly where he is right now um yeah now he's he's definitely going too going, early for for me to have any shares too yeah. 96 is his adp um and i bet i'm betting based on the two drafts that i've seen it's higher in may and that's just too rich for me yeah now I'm, I'm completely with you there um i, I do like kamaro Edmonds as a talent i do um but you know, you already touched on some of the names that are going to be ahead of him this year. It's going to be, he's going to have to go in there and just absolutely blow the doors off this summer and fall to have any sort of a meaningful role this year. Um, and then, you know, I, everything, and, and we'll, we'll touch on it, uh, this situation moving forward a little bit later on in the show here. But um, you also mentioned before about the guys going to LSU in next year's class, um, you know, and you can't put too much stock in that. But UNC does bring in a guy or is projected to bring in a guy in next year's class who is somebody that I know you're a fan of, somebody that I'm a fan of as well. Is that George Petway or Petaway? Petaway, yeah. Petaway. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, something else to just keep kind of in the back of your mind there that they're bringing in somebody else. And, you know, maybe he can graduate early. Like you said, I have no idea how that works. Um, Because I know I. I know I couldn't have graduated early. You know, I, I don't know how the whole credit system works at different schools. It's probably set up differently at different places. Um, 
So, you know, I'm not going to speak to something that I just don't know anything about really, but you know, yeah, it's, it is a pretty big separator when guys can graduate early and, and get on campus for spring ball. You know, you just, you typically see those guys get more of a role earlier on in their careers. And it's obviously, it's not the end all be all that's talent. And I think Kamaru Edmonds has that for sure. But I'm just, like you said, he's going too early for me and I'm just not willing to take that gamble on him in a crowded situation. Yeah, yeah, it's just a little too much for me. And then the last one we have here, um, and then just looking at the names we have left, you think we take a break here? Like cut, this is where we cut the, the episode and then fire up a new one? Yeah, right after this one. Okay, perfect, yeah. So so yeah. our last names here are the FSU receivers. Uh, McLean and, and Burrell, uh, Malik McLean, Joshua Burrell, um, two guys that, you know, everyone's focused on Destin Hill, and rightfully so. You know, I'm not saying that Destin Hill's not going to have any sort of uh, place on that team, uh, this year, he's the highest rated of all of them, in my opinion, just easily the most talented of all of them. But again, a guy that was not there for spring ball. Um, and these two guys were, and they both seem like they left a bit of an impression. You know, they were kind of the leaders in that group uh, through, through most of spring here. And it seems like Mackenzie Milton uh, liked them both. So um, you said, you, which one of them did you want to talk about? McLean or Burrell? Um, McLean is the guy that, I like a little bit more um, than Burrell. I mean, I think, like you said, I think they're both, um, they both showed out this spring, uh, particularly with Mackenzie Milton. If he can win that job, um, you know, I like that a lot for, for their potential. Um, I just think Mackenzie Milton's a better passer than Jordan Travis. I just trust Mackenzie Milton to get the ball to them, to the receivers a bit better. And that was a pretty weak wide receiver room last year. I mean, you had Tamori and Terry there, but, you know, after him, there was a whole lot of nothing. Um, and they did bring in transfer um, redshirt senior Andrew Parchment from Kansas, um, who, you know, he, he is projected to be first on that depth chart right now. Um, you know, and a lot of experience as well, too. You know, these other guys are freshmen that we're talking about. But they, they already showed this spring that, you know, they can... You know that Malik McLean and and Burrell both can can step in there and and they look good. You know, they they have a promising future there. And Malik McLean, um, he was only number forty two wide receiver in the in the class, uh, but he was a four star guy still, six four one ninety five, and he's coming from IMG Academy. So you know, great size. You know, you you like that he's coming from IMG Academy. You like that he's coming from a school like that. Um, he has a reportedly has a verified four Malik McLean reportedly is a verified four five forty. Um and you know he's pretty pretty tenacious. You know, he gets up in your face. Um, you know, and I like that about guys. You know, he can he's he's not afraid to block too. You know, you see some blocking on his tape, which you know it doesn't really mean much, but I like to see that that toughness as well. Um so yeah Malik McLean is a guy who was pretty big stock up there for me as well. Um you know I like like I said, I like that depth chart. I like that opportunity. Um, we'll we'll see what happens when Destin Hill does get on campus because that's a pretty solid all three of them. It's a pretty solid wide receiver trio moving forward. Uh, and I don't think Florida State's the type of place that can support multiple wide receivers. You know, maybe two, and at least college relevant. You know, production. So we'll see how that shakes out. But I like Malik McLean a lot. Size speed guy for sure. Yeah, I like him the most of the duo as well, and I think he's going to play more than Burrell. 
Yes. Um, I, I just think all around he was more impressive this spring. And yeah, once you get once you get a parchment and a hill in there, um, uh, I think that's going to push him down a little bit. Maybe you know after this year, because parchment's been around for forever. I think he's like a super senior guy. Yeah. Um, so he'll be gone, and we'll uh, we'll see what they bring in next year. But um, he'll be more in play at that point. Um, all right, guys. So this is the point we're we're gonna we're gonna cut this episode here. So thank you guys for joining us for this one. I'm going to be releasing here on a normal schedule. Um, if you want the rest of this episode, we're going to continue on here uh, right after we get off of this and uh, record the second half and release that Tuesday or Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever we feel like it. You know, we're yeah. we're we're crazy around here. Um, but thank you guys for joining us. Um, as always, you know, keep keep uh, sticking around for Canton Bound later in the week. Check out the sites, the the family of pods over there. Why wait till Sunday? Debbie debate and the C two C pod here. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one, guys.